Let's start reading in verse 14 of chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 14. Keep your Bibles open because uh, you know how I am. Uh, when, when God says stop, I'll quit. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do what he leads me to do to the best of my ability, the best of my knowledge. I don't know if I'll get past the first point, but if I don't, we'll finish it up later. Uh, but keep your Bibles open because there's something I want to I wanna look at as well in relation to this that God touched my heart with some time ago. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth, passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all fullness of God. If you remember a few weeks ago, I preached from this passage and stopped short of what I wanted to finish up with on today. Now unto him that is able. Now unto him that is able. Now unto him that is able. Unto him that is able to do. Unto him that is able to do exceeding. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I mean, this is so good Paul amended himself. Because he realized that he was serving the one that was not limited in any way. I lift just one phrase out of that last verse. Glory in the church. Glory in the church. We had a couple sermons in a row. Brian preached a message on show me thy glory. And Brother Holly came in the next week and preached a message on show me thy glory. And they preached all around this. And I thought, Lord, I, I, I want to continue to love these men with all of my heart, but please don't let them get on my sermon. And neither one of them even touched it. But it's great to hear about the glory. But what is glory in the church? I mean, he, he references him to him be glory in the church. How do we give him glory? What is glory in the church? Now, I think by way of introduction, you'll agree with me. I believe God's plan for the gospel and the kingdom of God involves the local church. 
I believe what he did, he established through the church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the plan of God has always been the church. It would do you good. This past week, I went on a couple of occasions and referenced all of the places that local churches are mentioned in your New Testament. You would be staggered by the names and the various places. In fact, I thought I would do that, but I thought I don't want to bore them either this morning. But you'll be amazed at how the gospel spread and how he established local churches. This is a book a letter to a local church at Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the fastest growing churches. It's the first book that is mentioned in Revelation to the letters to the churches. We don't know if it's the first first one that Paul, that John mentioned when he wrote uh, in Revelation, the letters to the churches, the seven churches ages, as far as seven literal churches. We don't know if it was because it was the first church or if it was the first church on the carrier route that carried the letter that he had written. But yet, it's still referenced. It's one of the largest churches. It was established with Paul's ministry. It was reconfirmed. Paul spent more time at this church than any other church. Three years he was there, and when he left, he left them in tears, crying on his shoulder because he had impacted their life. So this church is one of the great churches in the New Testament. It was pastored also by Timothy and then later by John. John was there for maybe eight or nine years, then exiled on the Isle of Patmos for probably eight years. But the roots that John had, the apostle John, was right here in this local church, Ephesus. Now, John knew about the glory of the church. I've read some accounts where maybe a hundred to 150,000 came into this church in about a year and a half period of time. Boy, what will we do with growth like that? And we're at a place where so many people don't see the need of church now that once again, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. But it's a plan of God for the church. But yet, what is the church if there's no glory in the church? Well, how do you have glory in the church? Well, I think first of all, the glory of the church is is really doing its job when there's glory in worship. I told my wife here a while back, I was going to a meeting to preach and uh, it's dead. I dreaded it, I'm sorry. You all never been to a dead church? It was dead. I know, I know that it's not all about noise, but you should sense the love of God and the presence of God. And it's more about everyone critiquing everything you say. I was out of place, I really didn't wanna go. It was a convention, a conference rather. I needed to speak at this conference. All of these pastors coming in and they consider themselves to be intellectuals. I'm not gonna tell you what I consider them to be, but, but you know, they're out to impress everyone. And they're not used to someone like me. And I said, honey, I'm just so nervous. I just dread this. She said, what do you dread it for? You've preached 4,000 funerals. <laughs> Should have some experience by now. And you think so, but we, we want to be set apart by our worship. Now listen, if I get no further than this one point today, I want you to hear me and hear me well. There's some things 
you can only get from God through worship. There's some things you can only experience from God through worship. And you can never experience glory in the church if there's no worship in the church. Church is not an organization. It's not a nonprofit corporation. It's more than just a gathering of people. This is the place where the glory of God is manifest through worship. If you're having problems getting your prayers answered, if you're having problems finding direction from God, if you're having problems in life wondering where to turn and what to do, there's some things you'll only find out through worship. Can I show you something? Let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And and we'll start with with verse uh, 21. Verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. Stop. That tells you a lot because the Canaanites were Gentiles. So this woman is a Gentile. She came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. What's the next phrase? But he, Jesus, he answered her what? He answered her, what? Not a word. She comes to him. She calls on him. She cries out to him. She conveys the need of her daughter that is vexed by this spirit. And Jesus don't even speak to her. Hmm. Well, that seems cruel, doesn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be something if most of you came into this church today and passed by me and I didn't speak to you, you'd probably never come back again. Am I right about that? Some people to this day don't attend certain churches because somebody didn't speak to them. Maybe they didn't even mean to do that, but yet they don't attend a church anywhere because someone didn't speak to them right. But notice something. So he, he answered her not a word and his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away, for she cried after us. Lord, she's cried to you, she's called on you, she's come to where you are, tell her to leave. Tell her to leave. She's crying on us now, she's bothering us. But look what it says. She cried unto us, but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now stop right there. This is prophecy unfolding. He first came to Israel, his own, and they rejected him and received him not. Because it was first meant not that he was going to exclude the Gentiles, but he came first to the apple of his eye to Israel to present their need, but their eyes were blinded and they rejected him. They didn't receive him. And then we see the gospel spreading to the Gentiles. Notice the next verse, verse 25. Then came she, stop again. She came one time, 
He wouldn't speak to her. She came back. She came back. Notice, she came and what? Worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, woman, great is thy faith. Stop. He wouldn't speak to her. Now he's saying, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. She comes the first time. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? She comes the first time. She came. She cries. She calls. She conveys her need. And Jesus won't even speak to her. She comes again and she worships him. Suddenly he says, great is your faith. Tell me the one thing that was different from her coming the second time over the first time. She worshiped him. Can I tell you, you may not be getting the answers from God because yes, you're coming to church and yes, you're crying to God and yes, you're calling out to the Lord and yes, you're conveying all of your needs but you're not willing to say, I'm going to worship you, Lord. And until we get to that place where we say, Lord, I'm going to worship you, whether you speak to me or not, whether I sense you or not, it doesn't change who you are and what you can do. I'm gonna bless your name. I'm gonna praise you. I'm gonna give you glory no matter what's happening. Lord, if nobody else cares, everybody else says leave, I'm still gonna worship you. She got what she needed because she worshiped him. So glory in the church can only be there if there is worship there. Glory in the church can only be there if wonders are there. The Bible says the apostles were marked by signs and wonders. Now we know Satan can perform signs and wonders, but there's a difference because Satan can perform signs and wonders, but he's not able to do abundantly, exceedingly above. He can't do what God can do. When they called the magicians out, you remember? When the plagues come, they could do certain things, but then there was that limitation. They could only go so far. A false spirit could only do so much. And I know that there's false spirits in the land and people worry about that and they excuse themselves from worshiping God and, and from accepting signs and wonders because they're afraid that maybe it'll be fake, it'll be false, it won't be real. But signs and wonders were evident. Why did God give them signs and wonders? Well, signs, according to your Bible, if you look at it, the word sign means a mark or a token. What he's saying is he is giving them a mark on the apostles and the early church to say God is on them. Have you ever seen the advertisements on television or maybe get an advertisement on your phone, somebody selling something and they'll, maybe it'll have a precious metal in it or maybe it'll be a unique piece of art. And a lot of times they'll have something like this. 
that when you buy it, you receive a certificate of authenticity. Do you know that signs are a certificate of authenticity? Now, it's not that the apostles were the ones that were doing it. God was doing it through the apostles. And in a church, it's not that we are the ones that answers prayer. God answers prayer, but you don't see anything happen if you don't pray. So he said, I'm gonna give you signs and I'm gonna give you wonders. Well, what's wonders? Well, wonders means that it's something that is to be observed or to cause people to take notice of. A wonder. Now, lest you think that doesn't matter, it's been 40 years ago. I was asked to preach in a meeting and you say, I, I don't believe this preacher. What, when you hear it, you say, I don't believe it. Well, I don't care if you believe it or not, I was there. 5,000 others were there. And we were in an arena in Columbus and they'd, they'd invited me to preach in the Black Pastors Conference. I think me and maybe one other fella had the privilege to preach in that, we were the only ones that, that wasn't a black pastor or evangelist. The fellow that went before me is a graduate of Harvard. And he preached about 10 minutes and I was ashamed to even pick my Bible up when he got done. Talk about power and wisdom. And I preached and they, they give you a set amount of time and after that I preached then at the end of it, the old preacher, he's preached here in our church years ago. Some of you may recall him, John Martin. When John would get up, he would always set off to the side. And when he'd get up, he'd always, every time I've ever been with him, he does the same thing. He gets up, he was in maybe his 90s when he died. But uh, he'd get up and he'd start singing, if it wasn't for the Lord, what would I do? That's how he'd go into the pulpit traveled from Logan, West Virginia to Columbus, Ohio to preach every Sunday, preach in Columbus on Sunday morning and drive all the way back down to Logan, West Virginia to preach that night in his 90s. Tell me God don't give people supernatural power. But in the middle of the meeting, they got carried away. And all of a sudden, there was an individual that had gone out in the aisle to leave the meeting and fell over graveyard dead. They were trying to resuscitate them. They couldn't do it. John didn't bat an eye, called on the musicians to come and they, they were playing and singing. Sometimes you may wonder when stuff's going on, why, why don't we just stop singing and listen? Because sometimes what people sing, you ought not hear. You just keep singing. Let God do what he's gonna do. Feel a little lonely up here right now. Just keep church going, God will take care of the rest. So they call in, they bring in the ambulance. The paramedics come. They're shocking the individual, nothing happens. They worked on the individual and finally, I see them shake their head no and it starts to murmur through the crowd, they're dead and the people, people are just absolutely beside of themselves and that dear old man of God made his way down and told them, said, wait a minute, reached over and took that person by the hand and said, let's have faith in God. It's not over till God says it's over. That old man of God and those preachers started praying. Those dear old saints of God started shouting. They were dancing around that gurney and the glory of God came. They jumped up off that cot, 
ran down the alleyway for probably 45 minutes. The congregation sang, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And the glory of God came in. I need not tell you, the next service, you couldn't get the people inside. Why don't people go to church? I'll tell you why. A lot of times, people don't go to church plain and simple. They don't get anything when they go. This should be a place of signs and wonders. This should be a place that it's not routine and it's not normal and it's not usual and it's not ordinary and it's not the same old, same old. It's not that every service is hyped up. Sometimes God does it in an hour and a half. Sometimes God does it in 10 minutes. The webs are with us this morning. A week ago, Wednesday night, she runs all over the church and tells everybody before church she got saved. When I come out, she says, I got saved, I wanna be baptized. So the singers sang and we went and baptized them in the dark of night. But the light was there. That's wonderful. That doesn't interrupt a thing. No, it's not how long we're here. It's what God does for us while that we're here. And we get so afraid of the wonders of God. Oh, preacher, it'll get uncontrollable. Don't you worry about that. That's why God has me up here. It won't get uncontrollable. God will take care of it. We've got the right people in the right place. But I tell you what we need. We need to come and say, Lord, I wonder what you're going to do today. I'm so excited because I don't have any idea what going to go on down at Rubyville today. You know what happens when you get like that? It doesn't matter who preaches or who sings or what's going on. The glory of God comes and the glory is so great that all you can see is the Lord working. We see his glory in worship. We see his glory in wonders. Can I give you one more real quick? We see his glory in the witness of the church. Mark apologized for saying something, but we are to be a witness. Not only are we to be a witness inside this church, you are to be a witness outside the church. Now, how do we witness? What do we tell people? Can I, if you're saved, real quick, can I give you three things that you need to witness about to friends and neighbors and people around you. Number one, always witness about Christ. Make much of Christ. Let the world know it's Jesus. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Everywhere you go, let them know it's Jesus. Jesus makes the difference. When Paul got to sharing things, he'd always go back to that phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the name that the world doesn't know anything about today. Some know that name in a sense of profane use, but most people don't know the name of Jesus the way that we know Jesus. And tell them how sweet Jesus is. And tell them how much Jesus loves them. And tell them how Jesus died for them. And tell them how Jesus rose from the grave. And tell them that Jesus is coming again. You can't say too much about Jesus. Not only tell them about Christ, but tell them about your conversion. 
You know, I am convinced of this. People used to witness constantly. And I wonder, why don't we hear about soul winning and witnessing as much as what we used to from individuals? I am confident of this. The reason why people don't witness more is because they've not been converted. If you get converted, you can't help. The woman at the well, when she met Jesus, ran back into the city and said, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. When Paul was brought before kings and rulers, what did he tell them over and over again? He told them of his conversion experience. There's something about telling people what God did for you. And I know sometimes you're hesitant to do that because you're thinking, well, they know what I've been, but you need to remind them what you've been is not what you are. And what you are is not what you're going to be. God's not through with you yet. You're not the same person that you used to be because of the grace of God. And then also when you tell them that it impacts their life. Lola Sparks is with us this morning. As always, she never misses a service. Wednesday night, she missed church. She texted me before church, said, pray preacher, I'm going down to spend the night with my brother Garland. We've all prayed for Garland. And uh, I, I, I can't remember, how old was Garland, Lola? 89 on Tuesday, 89 on Tuesday, he turned 89 years old, lost without Jesus, dying of a terrible disease, knew he had the disease. Jamie, I lost count of how many trips you made down with Garland. The Spirit of the Lord would move on Jamie. She'd go down and Garland say, not right now. Well, Lola went down on Wednesday to spend the night with her brother who was dying. And she said, pray for me, preacher, that I can tell him about the Lord. It wasn't very long until after that she was there, the night passed by, early morning came. And just past dawn, I get a text. And it's from Lola and said, I just had the privilege of leading my brother to Jesus Christ. Lola, you told him about Jesus. You told him about your conversion. And when people hear, they want it. They want it. When preachers couldn't reach it and soul winners couldn't reach it, God took his little sister all the way down and said, Jesus loves you and he'll save you. Yesterday, Garland made his crossing and he's with the Lord just in time, just in time. Thank God, tell somebody this week about Jesus. If he saved your soul, tell him what he's done. Tell him about Christ and tell him about your conversion and tell him about the church. I love this church. I do, I love this church. It's never been a chore for me to preach. Never been a drudgery for me to preach. A lot of people say, oh, I love you. I love this church. And they're here for a month. Or you find out they really don't love the church. They just love what the church can do for them. But I love this church. It's not a chore to pastor you. It's not, it's not a drudgery, it's not a chore. I did it when you didn't pay me. And by the way, they tried to and I wouldn't let them. Wasn't the deacon's fault, wasn't the board's fault. A lot of people forget that. It's just a time 
whether I don't know why God said don't accept anything. And I didn't accept anything. God took care of us. I, I tell you what, take my pay away, I'll still preach to you. And I won't be mad at you and I won't be upset. I'll just tell you about how good God is. Because I feel this way, who am I to get to pastor such a wonderful group of people? Two or three nod heads, but the rest of you are really good. <laughs> Sorry. It just slips out every now and then. But when I go, any of you, Josh and Carrie, they, 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 we had the privilege, they went with Candy and I on Friday night, drove me up to the meeting. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Carrie. Josh prayed with one, one young man, had a tough life, a rough life. He got saved there. Josh led him to the Lord at the altar the other night. But, you know, Josh goes with me a lot. And Bob, when he was able, he traveled all over this country. I'd say, I'm going four hours. Pick me up, he said, pick me up. We'd ride and we'd go, Ted and Marty, they've gone. A lot of you have been to services here locally. There's not very many services that you'll go with me that you won't hear me tell people before I preach or after I preach. Everybody ought to come to Rubyville one time on their way to heaven. We've got people that have driven three and four hours each way to be here and worship with us today. That's humbling to me. We've got people from Germany here in our service today. That's humbling to me. I really appreciate that. I want you all to know that. But I want to tell you something. I love this church and I'm not ashamed to tell anybody, come to church. Come to church. The little church we went into, the church that was sponsoring the tent meeting the other night. When we went in, Candy, on the way out, she said, they were so loving and so welcoming. And they were. And that's the way all of our churches should be. And when you're out and you're talking at lunchtime, Somehow always look for the open door to invite people to church. When they start talking about, boy, you know, I, I, gotta, go to, I gotta go to this concert and it was fantastic. You know what you ought to say? Hey, we've got some great singers at the church. We got, we got this going on. We've got homecoming revival. We're gonna have great singing. You ought to come to church. When they say, hey, I'm burdened down and I don't know what to do. I've got these problems. You know what you ought to do? You ought to come to church. You ought to come to church. Invite people to church. This week I saw four or five people not going to church anywhere. Some used to attend right here and I said, when are you coming back to church? Boy, it got quiet right there. I better quit. I'm in overtime this morning. I'll give you one more and I'll quit. One more. The glory in the church is not only based on worship, the glory in the wonders, the glory in the witness, but the glory in the word. Make much of this. Crowds will fall away when we stop preaching and teaching this. People will be weak and never stand and get rooted and grounded in faith. Well, how do you know that? We're talking about being grounded in love. To be grounded in love is to be grounded in faith. And there's only one way you can be grounded in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know I'm in overtime. I didn't tell you last Sunday. Can I tell you one illustration that happened to me? Just one, will you allow me? I don't know if I can tell it. It's been... Uh, 
few months ago now. I, I, I haven't said much about it here because uh, I just couldn't bring myself to say it. But I, I do a lot of funerals, you know that. Somebody said, we're going to call you the funeral man. All the directors, I think, had me on speed dial anymore. And I'm not complaining. I think everybody deserves something to be said about them and a tribute to them. They deserve that. And I, I've preached funerals, and I don't care what you think of it. I've preached funerals of people that murdered others and got murdered. And I still told their family about the love of God because everybody needs hope and everybody needs help. I can't help the way people live their life. I can't help how they die. But I can't help what I do to try to help people through that time. Well, I got a call out of town to go preach a funeral. And a lot of times, uh, you know, the girls there in the office, they know I'll drive, it's not uncommon, I'll drive three hours to go, four hours to go preach a funeral, come back and go preach that night. It's not uncommon, that's my days. And years ago, I'd promised this older guy in a little church, I doubt they had 12 people in the church. Probably a big Sunday would be 20. And through time, the little church fell away until they didn't have enough to keep the doors open. And, and he had nobody, he had no family. All of his family was dead. All of the people he went to school with, they had all died. He had practically no money. He'd, he'd retired, worked in, I think it was a grocery store, and the pension... Uh, basically, they stole the pension. And he had no money, just had a little bit of money to live on every month, put him in a government complex, lived all alone, got sick, couldn't go to church, watched the programs. And the last time that I had seen him, it was in my mind, last time I'd seen him, he said, now you remember, you promised if there's any way. He said, now if you're too far away preaching, I understand, but if there's any way, you'll preach my funeral. I said, absolutely, they called me. I went to preach his funeral. But when they called me, the director, this is where it got hard. I said, preacher, I hate to tell you this. I said, it'll be closed casket, of course. I said, as near as we can tell, he was probably dead three weeks before anybody knew that he was gone. Oh, my. I kept my word, but I couldn't get settled on what to preach. What am I going to tell the friends that may come or the people that's there? How are you going to stand up and talk about the love of God when this poor old man that had lived for the Lord all those years died with just Jesus and nobody knew for three weeks? I'm not being hard on people. It's the world we live in today, like it or not. Well, I get there and I... And and I feel so inadequate. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? My mind's whirling. And when I get there, there's a man standing. I get there about a half hour early. Man standing in the back. He said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. He said, I needed to see you. He said, uh, I, I, I've got to go to work. He said, I was hoping you'd come early. He was among the first responders that got to this man. And he said, I wanted to tell you something because I knew you'd be preaching. I, I didn't know how to get a hold of you. And he said, I was the first one to where he was. And he said, has anybody told you yet? And I said, nobody's told me anything. I said, from what I understand, there's no family, there's no friend. He said, well, I was afraid of that. He said, I, I just thought it might help you. He said, when I got there, 
he was in his favorite recliner, is what they told me. The neighbors said he was in his favorite recliner. Said, preacher, he had his Bible open and his finger was on the 121st Psalm. I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heavens and the earth. I'm here to tell you the word will stand. As we stand together throughout the sanctuary, they'll come, they'll sing today. Do you know about worshiping him? Do you know about the wonders of God? Are you witnessing for him? Do you love his word? You search your heart.